Hello and welcome to Totem Talks. I'm Helen Fruin. And I'm Mark Smith. And today we are talking about managing in a hybrid world. And we are, and I've got something in my eye and I'm not going to stop recording, so bear with me. There we go, all done. A hybrid world, you say? Yes. Mm. It's it's very, you know, COVID lingo. Uh, yeah, it sounds new. Yeah. So uh, there was a whole big thing about talking about the new normal at you some point see. and then we kind of stopped with that language. Uh, this is, I guess, the... The new one is talking about a hybrid world as we think about going back into the workplace where let's say if I've got a team of six people, mm-hmm. I might end up with two of my team who've decided they're now going to be full-time home workers, two of my team who've decided they're going to be flexible between the office and the home, and two of my team who want to be full-time in the office. How on earth am I supposed to manage a team in that way? That's a very good question. Um we have got some research, we spoke about it in the last podcast, I think, uh, from Lumina Learning. Uh, they did a study of about 5,000 people over 20 different countries. And their research is suggesting about 40% of people really want to stick with working from home. Very excited about it. I think another 30% would like some kind of hybrid version of it. And only 10% really 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 want to go back to the office place mm. so there is a, a strong appetite or there's the suggestion of a very strong appetite amongst the working population uh i'm going to also say white collar working population yes right so a lot of us don't have a choice if i work no. in retail or i work in manufacturing i, I don't have the yeah. option uh yeah i must point that out. i think all of them are university educated at least um so yeah there is a strong appetite within a certain demographic of the workforce to maintain mm. this kind of work-life, working-from-home kind of thing. Particularly um, when the kids are at school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's something that we need to have on our radar. Mm. I think it's something we're struggling to come to terms with as a business. Let's not, we, you know, we've not nailed this because it's, like you say, it's brand new. Um, and, you know, we're going to have to adapt as employers and we're going to have to uh, figure it out so we can also teach our clients how to adapt to there we go so listeners you get to listen to us figuring it out together here uh, and it will become our workshops because i've got a workshop in september with a client Mm. on this very topic Uh, we're going to be covering it in our summer series as well and the reason i say we're working it out together is because unsurprisingly it's going to all be about conversations yes there is not going to be a here is the here is the rule book on how to do it because there's not going to be one approach. There's not going to be, uh, you know, this is how you manage a team of six where you've got this many people and this many people. It's going to be having a conversation with the team about how do we make this work. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I think is interesting as I prepare for the workshop that's coming up in, up in September is thinking about the sorts of scenarios we could be facing. So let's say, for example, uh, three people are in the office. They have a really good time together. Maybe they have lunch together. And on the Friday afternoon, all team get together on Zoom. They're talking about how much fun they had in the office on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And now you've got half the team feeling left out or maybe just one person feeling left out because they weren't there. And does that start to happen then every month or every week? How do we ensure people are not feeling left out yeah. and isolated? And again, there's not going to be a rule book for that. But why don't we have conversations with the team about 
How do we help people feel included? And if we are doing something in the office together, what do we also do to set expectations that if you have chosen to work from home, then there are going to be times where you feel like you've missed out. And do we then say there are times where we all come into the office together to overcome that? Mm. There needs to be a lot of expectation, boundary setting and exploring how we deal with this together rather than, as is often the case, all of the pressure falls on the manager's shoulders to work it out and have the answers. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree with that eventually. I think I would, <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would want to start somewhere else, and that is, I would want to start with the manager. Mm-hmm. Whilst, whilst I do agree, it shouldn't responsibility shouldn't entirely fall on the manager. Uh, they are still the manager, so mm-hmm. uh, suck it up. Um, I do think there's an important thing there, as always, with self awareness. So, as a manager, you need to understand your management manager style the impact and consequence of that manager style. There's no right or wrong way to be a manager. It's all context specific, but you do need to understand how that has an impact on people. There's a uh, right or wrong way for each individual you're managing. Yes, absolutely. So how are you adapting? So you need to adapt. Um, and when we move into that hybrid world, you're going to have three or four new flavors of employee effectively. How is your management style going to adapt to suit them? And you can only figure out how to adapt something if you know your starting point. There's no there's no point changing something when you don't even know what you're changing, you know? So for me, it's about um, building that awareness as a manager uh, and then figuring out the consequences of your management style in this new sort of hybrid environment. And at that point, having the conversations with, you know, the three or four different groups within your team to see how they're going to respond well. Um, I mean... An example for me is a man. So, so the the, the smoke room at um, my last employer um, was the place where everything got done. Mm-hmm. Basically, there were three or four individuals who were who were all smokers, and it just so happened that they would all go into the smoke room at the same time. And by the time they came out of having a ten minute fag, the rest of the day had been scheduled for everybody else, and. That was quite noticeable for those who didn't smoke. And it really annoyed those who didn't smoke because basically if you smoke, you get an extra 30, 40 minutes off every day because you can just score off for a fag. That's going for a fag. Um, so, yeah, it was really interesting to see um, when the new manager came in, he would also go for a cigarette, but he would not sit with those people. And for a long time, they oh, come and join us. And he would, he, you know, he would point blank say, no, no I'm good over here. Thanks. And he would just get on with his day. And, you know, within two weeks, three weeks, that shattered that little clique of people who were effectively are driving the agenda for the rest of that, you know, that that sort of factory element. Um, And I I found that to be just fascinating. I mean, I was only a junior at the time. I was just fascinating to watch how one individual's behavior could have a massive impact uh, on the rest of, I don't know, 40 lads days. Mm. I thought that was... Very interesting. And it highlights the importance of, you know, because we often say, oh, well, that's just the way things are done here. Mm -hmm. You can choose to be different. You can can choose to create a different culture for your team. Yeah. And that's part of being a manager. So as you say, it, it sounds like there's agreement here that there's a conversation with the team, but also as the manager, you need to be taking accountability for what is my management style? What is the culture I create? And what is a culture that's actually going to drive the best performance of the team? in this new hybrid world. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess one question I would have, uh, you know, if, if, if I'm a delegate on this course of 
that you're creating the question i would have is do you anticipate actually the, the the two or three different groups of individuals requiring vastly different uh support through the process so people who are coming you know we've we've made a living out of supporting managers who are managing people in an office face to face so we have a lot of content about that we we know our we know our stuff in that space uh, when it comes to remote management uh, when it pure remote management so when we're talking you know we've got a couple of clients who basically effectively manage external contractors for a living um, well, and also within their own teams there yeah. are many people yeah. in our clients who have never met their teams never met each other yeah we've got great deal content on that as well mm-hmm. um so we're, we're very comfortable there i don't think you know this this sort of middle ground where i'm in and out of office I there mean, are a few of our clients who uh so when we talk about global management let's say i'm based in india and i've got a team of colleagues in india mm-hmm. but i've also got people in my team who work in japan singapore china so i've got half my team in the office with me and half my team i've never met there are one or two of our clients who have that context. So we've picked up stories there about how that becomes more challenging in terms of team cohesiveness and how to manage that. But again, it becomes about the conversation. And if I, if I come back to your question of, would you need to manage people very differently as a result of their choices about where they work, specifically about that choice? No, but specifically about how you get the team cohesiveness and how to adapt mm-hmm. to each individual's needs. Yes, that's going to take work. And that's that's the same amount of work, arguably, that people management always has yeah, been. Yeah, for either one, yeah. Okay. So how do you build that team cohesiveness? Where, where have you seen that done well? The Obviously, the best thing ever is when you can get everybody together, mm. particularly if there's food involved. There's something about human beings bonding over food. It yeah, just we do like to works. Eat. Yeah, we yeah. like to eat. Um, there was even somebody shared with me on a workshop the other day uh, where there was kind of a concern about, oh, well, some of us are meat eaters, some of us are vegetarians. Is there a lack of respect for each other there? Uh, and they just sat around the table, each talking about where they're from, what is their favorite food from their home country, uh, sharing stories. When you tell stories, when you sit together over food, it, it just has a brilliant impact. So clearly, uh, for the example I gave of half my teams in India, half my teams spread out over APAC, if you can get people together, that's going to be amazing. Even if it's only once a year, once every uh, six months, there's something about that building of relationship that boosts you up to then go off your separate ways, but no, you've you've got that team cohesion started. So no doubt that is the ideal. Mm-hmm. It may still be a long time before we can do that. So what is the equivalent that you can do online? And I would say, and, and it's interesting, there's a few people on LinkedIn starting to say, let's avoid hybrid in terms of workshops and meetings. Because if you've got half the people in a room mm. and half the people on Zoom, it is a disaster. Yeah, it doesn't work. I've never seen it work. No. It is much better for you to get all of the people in the room to go sit at their desks and get on Zoom mm-hmm. and have everybody have the same experience. Yeah, and that's that's the key, isn't it? It's the same experience, whether we like it or not. The face-to-face delivery and the interaction between people is massively different to experiencing it on Zoom, and it's it's different enough to actually ostracize one group from another totally um and in terms of team building certainly do doesn't work don't do it don't do it whereas team building if, if you're all together on i keep saying zoom it could be any platform if you're all together 
uh, online, mm-hmm. you can use the breakout rooms, you can use quizzes, you can use icebreaker questions. One of my favorite ones recently was uh, when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Mm-hmm. And just that simple kind of taking people out of the work context, having an icebreaker question, get them into breakout rooms, they have that conversation, they come back, they're laughing. It's just that opportunity to build relationships that starts that process. Out of curiosity, when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? An aromatherapist. Did you? Yes. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing at that. It's because it just seems so starkly different from what you became. Wow. There we go. Okay. Helping yeah. people feel good. How, yeah, yeah, there. okay, yeah. I mean, that's uh, you learn something new every day. Absolutely. Everybody. What did uh, you want to be when you were 10? I wanted to be a vet. Oh, I thought you were going to go with a motorbike something. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, but I think the, the, the career that I pursued probably for the longest, you know, during that whole, was it, it was called personal social studies at school. Oh, yeah. yeah, I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, the I had a, I did a whole folder dedicated to being a vet. Um, yeah, I find that quite a bit about it. So yeah, a, a vet for me. And coming back on topic, (laughs) I guess other scenarios we can explore about challenges we're likely to face in the hybrid world is the risk of falling into the easy option. So if I have got three people sat in the office with me, you know, it's easy to notice if they're down, notice if they're struggling with something, give more of my time to them and, and kind of just imagine that unless the people at home tell me there's something wrong, I assume everything's fine. We're going to need to be more conscious and purposeful in making sure we're checking in with the people who are at home and seeing how they're doing so that we don't just fall into the easy default of looking after the people we can see. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think for me, one of the one of the changes I've had to make with I mean, obviously not work, but it's with my mum during during lockdown is that I have to assume that no news is bad news. Um, whereas, you know, the, the adage is no news is good news, right? Um, no news is bad news because it makes me pick up the phone. Right. Or it makes me, you know, jump online and try and have a com- conversation with her more often than not. Um, because, you know, like me and I'm, like a lot of people, my mum is struggling with her mental health and um, not not having her front and centre and being able to see her physically for so long, I slipped into that sort of lazy kind of... Uh, everything must be all right so yeah really just just make one or two like hard changes to the way that you manage people um you know dive reminders whatever just to make sure that you're reaching out to the people you're not seeing on a regular basis just to touch base with them i love that as a mantra actually just no news is bad news yeah yeah. i'm not checking in with you one of my colleagues will give me an update every single workshop she runs yeah yeah and at first i was thinking oh we, we don't need to do this you don't but we do, yeah, because we do. no news is bad news. And knowing how you're getting on and knowing how I can support you is my job. Yeah. Uh, so that I really like that, actually. No news is bad news. It reminds you to keep looking for information. Mm. Well, you heard it here first, listeners. There you I go. have just coined a phrase. <laughs> uh, and with that, I'm going to call that done. Shall we? Sure. Shall we? I'm going to put my glasses on because for some reason I'm really struggling today. Okay. Oh, I can see you. Ah, hello. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Uh, Yeah, I'm interested about this because I don't think we've got much stuff on this on our website. So 
No, well, because it is a relatively new, talking about the hybrid world is a relatively new thing. Mm. Uh, it's a relatively new concern for people as they think about returning to work. Uh, so that's why we're now preparing content on it. We're preparing a workshop for it in our summer series. So yeah, we will get more on it. Perfect. So keep your eyes peeled on our website, everybody, for hybrid stuff coming up your way. And we'll probably do a, a newsletter about it as well. So if you're interested in that, sign up. Uh, there's probably a contact page on our website as well. All of those wonderful you things. You can put a link to that below. You know what? I could. I'm clearly having a brain fart this morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Have a lovely week, everybody. And we shall see you in a fortnight's time. Thank you.